Let's praise the Lord together, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, I want to talk to you about welcoming our hearts to the new things. I have, uh, everybody got some new stuff? Anybody notice anything new, new about your pastor? Not, not that I've gained weight. A new, pair of, new pair of shoes. New pair of shoes. So welcome to the new. I'm, I, I'm preaching in new shoes. So, uh, hey, I want to just say welcome you to the new and, and encourage you to know that God has a new place for us and a new way for us in the future. And the destination that we have is that he's going to prepare for us something that we can never imagine, something that allows us to escape all of our challenges and, and changes in our life. And God has this promise for us, and, and we don't even have human words to explain what one day God is going to do for us. The famous explorer Marco Polo, after he completed his journeys, went back to his home in Venice. And when he got back to his home, he began to describe the things he had seen. But his close friends thought he was nuts. He'd gone mad. He told them about black stones you could actually set on fire that would provide heat for you. Uh, but they could never imagine what he's talking about because they'd never heard of charcoal. He told them about a piece of cloth that was as hard as, as he tried. He could not set it on fire. But they couldn't imagine what he was talking about because he was talking about asbestos. He told them about large animals that were about 20 feet long that had jaws large enough to swallow a grown man. But they couldn't imagine what he was talking about because they had never seen a crocodile. He told them about a substance that came spewing out of the ground that if you let it would catch on fire and you could light it and it would warm your house. They never understood that because they had never heard about crude oil. Years later when Marco Polo was lying on his deathbed, one of the few men who actually believed that what he said was true sat next to him as Marco was dying and he said, Marco, I love those stories. Please tell me those stories again. I want to hear them again and again. But he refused and simply said this on his deathbed. Remember this. Every bit of it is true. But in fact, I have not told you half of what I saw. And that's the way heaven is. One day God is going to create a new heaven and new earth. He'll remove all the past and say, let's make a healthy start. I mean, think about it. We made an unhealthy start. Adam and Eve blew it. And we can, we can talk about them, but the Bible says we all sin because we're sinners. Because had they not blown it, you would have blown it. We all do. We never forget this truth. What man has done in the past, God can undo. God can fix. What man has broken, God has, can repair. What man has misplaced, God can find. And we should remember this, that when we look at our life, many of us live sadly and without some escape, we live in the pain of the present. What's going on with you today? There's something hurting. We live, we live in the pain of the present. We live not only in the pain of the present, we live in the prison of the present. We don't believe that life could ever change. But I want to challenge you. The verse we're about to read in just a minute shows you there's a promise of a new day. It may not be tomorrow, but I can promise you all your pain, all our troubles, Lord, soon be over. We rejoice in that. Look at the Bible. If you have Revelation 21 and stand with me, I think it's going to be on the screen. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 7. And I want us to, I want us to read this. I want you to follow along as I read. This is John on the Isle of Patmos, a man who was under great pressure. He saw things that no man had ever seen. And through his eyes we see what God showed this wonderful apostle. Then I saw a new heaven 
and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, no more sea. And I saw the holy city, and underline that, there's going to be a city one day, a holy city God's going to make. It's going to be without all the things we see today. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them, and they will, and, and will be their God. And I like this next verse, and we need this at times. He, I believe this is Jesus, is going to wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. The one who's seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. Amen. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. It is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will freely give to the thirsty from him whose springs of water of life. The one who saw, the one, and the one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we look at this, welcome this new world to this new day, this new decade. Help us to see that we also have this privilege as believers to see you design everything brand new and make it right. We anticipate that and ask you to help us to get it today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Welcome to the new. If you've ever moved into a new home, you found there's issues with the home. Even if it's brand new, there are issues. Uh, there's bad paint, there's a crack, there's a window, there's something going on, there's something, there's a crease in the carpet, there's a scratch on the floor. I want you to know, welcome to the new home that God's going to make for you. And I want you to describe this home as we break down this text today. When we read these seven verses, we see three things that jump off the page, that leap off at us to say, here's what this new home heaven's going to be like. This is what this new home, this new Jerusalem is going to be like. Our new home will be filled with God's presence. And sometimes we come to church and we think, we sing in His presence, surely the presence of God is in this place. Hey, we feel it, but we don't really get it. Sometimes we, we, we feel, feel the, the activity of people coming into the church. We see the singing, but do we really experience the presence of God? Here's what the Bible says. In this city, in this place, in this home that we look forward to, God himself will be with them and will be their God. Now, can you imagine? And I'm not charismatic, but I would get charismatic if this happened. If all of a sudden, here in this church, we're walking, and not our imagination, but Jesus Christ walks in this room. He lifts up his hands and shows his nail prints. You see him, and you know it's him. Can you even imagine what it'd be like to not hear from the preacher who preaches about Christ, but to see Jesus himself in our new home? We'll see God. We'll see Jesus. The presence of God is a very interesting thing in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verse 38, Adam and Eve, after they messed up, after they blew it, as we said earlier, God came looking for them. The Bible says, and they didn't see God, but they heard God walking in the garden. Somebody's coming. Who else is there? It's just Adam and Eve. If somebody's walking and, they, and, they, and their step prints have, it's got to be God. God came to them. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 33, 
Moses felt God's presence on the mountain. But he never saw God. He saw God's glory. And when he came down, his face shone like God's glory. And, and, and God said, you can't see me directly because if you look at me, you'll die. I'll let you see my shadow. I'll let you see the backside. Genesis chapter 28. Jacob at Bethel felt God's presence and he stopped in his tracks. And he said, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And let me tell you something, boys. If there's one thing the modern dying church needs, it's not the presence of a sermon, not the presence of a preacher, not the presence of a church, but the presence of Almighty God among them. I read recently the Southern Baptist Convention in the last 10 years, the last decade, dropped in attendance 1 million people. 40-something thousand churches in America dropped 1 million people. And you look at the empty seats here. There are a few churches you see on TV that have full seats. But let me tell you something. The statistics are this. People are walking away from the church. We need the presence of God to bring them back. Surely, the presence of the Lord. Job felt the presence of God. Satan himself found the presence of God in Job chapter 1. He didn't seek a relationship with God. He rather just sought permission to punish God's servant. There are various views about the presence of God. But today I want to reveal just the following. When we have God's presence in our new home, God's presence will be with us. We'll see him. I love this song by Paul Wilbur. It's a song about Moses on the mountain. And Moses in his struggle about going through the wilderness and all the challenges he faced, Paul Wilbur writes, Moses must have said, show me your face, Lord. Show me your face. I can make it to the end of the journey if I can see your face. And I want you to know this preacher before you says to each of you, all of us need that presence for God's face to show up before us so we can make it to the end of our journey. Show us your face, Lord. In our new home, God's presence will be revealed with his words. The Bible says in verse 3, Then I heard in a loud voice huh, from the throne. I've heard a lot of sermons from the pulpit. I've heard in person, as many of you have, heard Billy Graham speak in stadiums. I heard the great R.G. Lee preach his famous sermon that's preached more than any sermon in America. Payday someday. I've heard some powerful preachers, but there's no voice, no voice like the voice of God. Listen, in our new home, God's presence will be full of his words. And the Bible says it was revealed, and it didn't say, listen, it wasn't, this, it wasn't a voice like this. Come on, people. It was, here we are. You're in my place now. There's a new sheriff in town. It's going to be done my way, the right way, the righteous way. This is heaven. God's going to say that. We need that. We need God to speak some of those words over this world, into this church. In our new home, we'll see God's work. Clearly, clearly we'll see it. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. God's presence will fill this place called heaven. Our new home would be filled with God's presence. I asked a man one time how he was doing. And he stopped. And he kind of patted on the table and said, you know, I'm in a good place right now. 
we, when we get to heaven, we will finally, all of us, be in a good place. It was close to that in Matthew chapter 17, during the transfiguration of Jesus in front of Peter, James, and John. And then Matthew chapter 17 reveals that Peter recognizes this powerful presence of God. And he says, oh God, this is amazing. We've got to build three booths to capture the presence of, of all these people here. And, and then all of a sudden, things change. They had a mountaintop experience when they found the presence of God. We need that for Valwood Park. Our new home will be filled with God's presence. Our new home will be fixed perfectly. Look, it says in verse 5, it says, Look, I'm making everything new. Soon I've been working around our house. We've been living there a long time. And, uh, you know, it's easy to, to, to collect stuff. Can I get a witness? Yeah, I know some of you know, Kelly, what we're talking about. It's easy to collect stuff, you know. And, and you start going through stuff. Should I keep this? You know, does this fit? If it doesn't fit, or would it wear it again? Throw it away. I mean, all this stuff. But wouldn't it be great to say, I, I don't, I'm not going to need any of these, pick, any of these uh, pieces of furniture. not going to need any of these fixtures. I'm getting everything brand new. Can you imagine if you moved in a brand new home, how cool would that be? You know what that? Hey, get this. How about if you went in a new home and every single thing from the spoons to the toothpicks would be brand new? That would be a great place to be. That's heaven, folks. No old things in heaven. And that's what we have to look forward to. Often you see shows and hear story, stories about people buying a home and they, they call them the, the fixer-uppers. You, you may, maybe some of you lived in the past in a fixer-upper. You may live in a fixer-upper now. I, I've lived in fixer-uppers myself and, and, and I usually never get to all of it. But what makes a home a place worth fixing up? And what, how do you fix up a place? Let me say this about heaven. Heaven is not a fixer-upper. Let me tell you how God fixed it. Fix it. Fix it. Let it be. He spoke it into existence. No hammers or nails are needed there. No planes, no sanders, no concrete trucks, no stuff like that. God just said, let it be. And if you think about the power of what that means, that means in every situation in your life, God has the ability to speak over you and speak over me, speak over Valwood Park and the Southern Baptist Convention and say, let's fix it. Let it be. Let it be. In heaven, it'll be a perfect place. And there are a couple of reasons why I think it's a perfect place. And there are more than this, but at least two. I think the first one that I see that I... I love is that in heaven, tears will be erased. He'll wipe every, away every tear. I was at a funeral recently for Caroline Hale. And some of you remember Chris, who was on crutches that people would lift on the stage and he could sing, he couldn't use his hands. He wears glasses and his brother was sitting over here in a wheelchair after a stroke. And the part of the service got kind of emotional. And two of the children, younger children, got up and went to Chris, who cannot move his hands, and take off his glasses and wipe away his tears. And I saw another person came over to the man who had a stroke, and they did the same thing, take off his glasses, take out a Kleenex that we provide in the pews, and wipe away his tears. That was a tender moment 
and I cried when I watched that. But let me tell you something, folks. One day, everything that's broken your heart, everything that's challenged you down to your very soul, Jesus said, you're not going to have to worry about that anymore. You're not going to have to cry about that anymore because everything's going to be fixed. In heaven, our home will be fixed perfectly because our tears are raised. And then, not only that, our pain will be ended. <sighs> hey, if you're over 60, you're hurting somewhere. In fact, this, I, I just want to say this. It just, I'm going to just say this, and I'm going to ask you this. R- raise your hand if. Raise your hand if you're hurting somewhere physically right now. Raise your hand. Keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you're hurting somewhere emotionally right now. Raise your hand. There's something that's troubling you. The anxiety. Raise your hand if there's somewhere spiritually you're hurting. All of us have our hands raised. Hey, we can put our hands down heaven. There's nobody broken, nobody hurting, nobody physically challenged, nobody spiritually challenged, nobody emotionally spent or bent. We are all going to be fixed. No more pain. It hurts. Jesus will heal our hurts. I love the verse found in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has put his hand upon me to preach the good news to the poor people. He has sent me to heal those with a sad heart. He has sent me to tell those who are being held captive that they can go free. He has sent me to to make the blind see and to free those who have been held by the spirit of trouble. God wants to set people free and he will ultimately do it in a place called heaven. And there is just one more in heaven. It'll be a perfect place, not only because where our tears will be erased and our pain will be ended in heaven, it'll be a perfect place, perfect, fixed perfectly because death will be eliminated. I've done a lot of sermons out at the National Cemetery. Last one I, I did, uh, I always go in there every time I'm out there and this how many people have been buried here? They said 65,000 people. That's a big cemetery. I'm waiting to get into my car and just kind of walking around stretching my legs Another family comes up, and a little girl rolls down the window by where I'm parked, and she sticks her head out the window and says, Mom and Dad, look at all these dead people. No more dead people. Everybody's alive in heaven. No more funeral homes. Too bad, folks. No more caskets. No more carrying a casket out of a church where the pastor laid it. No more lowering a casket in the grave, putting dirt on it. No more column burials to bury people's ashes. There will simply be no need for that business. As a pastor, I get phone calls from time to time to people who are near death and they die. And such was the case years ago. Some of you remember Ruby, Roby and Erlene Benedict. Lived right over here. They called me in the middle of the night. Roby had died. and Sometime after that, Earlene got sick, and I'd visited her several times. And They called me about 2.30 in the night and said, Earlene just died. Will you come? And I got dressed and went over there. And I walked up on that moonlit night. I still remember beautiful big moon. I walked up and looked up to her fence, and it's torn down. I guess she couldn't fix it, maybe. Walked by her car and put my hand on it, and there are several dents in it. 
and it wasn't the best car in the world, no offense if you drive one of these or if you own one of these, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It was a Ford Topaz. And, and that's, that's Greek for to be headed for disaster. Uh, it was a Ford Topaz, and I, I looked inside the car, and she was not a smoker, but her ashtray, this is years ago when you used to throw coins. Remember you used to throw coins in the, in the thing at the, at the freeway, and you'd just try to make a hook shot, see if you could make it, and throw coins in there, and, and uh, it was full of quarters. I looked at the door, and the screen door there was falling off the hinges. It was halfway on, halfway off. And I began to think about this song by Shake and Steve in this old house. Ain't got time to fix the shingles. Ain't got time to fix the floor. Ain't got time to oil the hinges for men, the window panes. Ain't going to need this house no longer. I'm getting ready to meet my new fate. Hey, folks, let me tell you something. All of us are living in a broken house. But God has a new home for you. Our new home will be fixed perfectly. Our new home will be forever permanent. Verse 6 says, then he said to me, it's done. The, the, the correlation to this is really unique. Because it's almost like when you look into the Greek translation, it's almost like the same way as what Jesus said when he was on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross and salvation work was complete, Jesus said, it is finished. And so finally God comes to the very end of time and said, I've made everything new. Now it's done. It's done. There will be a day when all of us will reach our final resting place and it will be a permanent place. Permanent place. I love to read that, Randy Alcorn. He's probably the most prolific writer about heaven in recent years. In one of his books, Heaven, he writes, I want to illustrate heaven and going there and being a permanent place. He said, imagine you lived in a homeless shelter in Miami. And one day you inherit a beautiful house overlooking Santa Barbara, California. And, and you're given a wonderful job doing something you always wanted to do. And many of your friends and relatives will be there. But as you fly on the way to Santa Barbara, you have a, pit, a, a layover at Dallas Airport, and you're going to meet some other family members there you hadn't seen in years, and they're going to board their plane with you and continue on to Santa Barbara. But imagine this. Before you left Miami, where you were a homeless person, if somebody asked you where you're going, would you say Dallas? No. Dallas is just a resting place. Dallas is a temporary, temporary stop. You would say, no, I'm going to Santa Barbara. Dallas is just a stop. Let me say, folks, this is just a temporary place. This is just a stop. Our future home is with Jesus. Our future home with him. It's permanent. One day all things will be new. Revelation 21 says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And there are a lot of meanings about that. And we can get into look at the theology, but I want to see it with our heart. One day God say, it's done. Aren't you ready to see all the things that are undone, finally done? God's going to complete everything. And we are headed for the final destination, destination because here on this earth, is, as it is today, is not our resting place. Our resting place is in the hands of God. It's permanent because God is there. It's permanent because all needs will be met. The springs of living water. It's permanent because victory is there. The one who conquers all, Jesus, is there. I thought about this um, sermon, and I, I started singing a song I heard back when I was just to become a believer. 
goes like this. Last night as I was sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. And I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, I thought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the king. Then I thought my dream changed. The streets no longer rang. Hush with the glad hosannas, the little children sang. The sun grew dark with mystery. The morning was cold with chill. As the shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, and I sang, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, hark how the angels sing. Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the king. And once again, the scene was changed. The earth there seemed to be. I saw the holy city beside this tideless sea. The light of God was on the streets. The gates were open wide, and all who would might enter, and nobody can be denied. No need for moon or stars by night or sun to shine by day. It was the new Jerusalem that would not pass away. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, sing for the night is over. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna forevermore. I've been singing that last part all week long. But it made me think of the words, welcome to the new. One day, we'll be welcomed to this new heaven. We'll get to see it. Imagine going to heaven. There's a song by Mercy Me. It's not directly about heaven, but there's a line in it that I want to read to you. That imagine one day we get to heaven, and there's some greeters there. We have greeters of the church here. And imagine if, if you... See yourself walking in that first time. And there's some people saying hello, some greeters. Surely, if, if God has greeters, we should have greeters in our church. And so, his, so there's somebody there. Well, and so let, imagine the greeters are there. And the greeters say these words to you from the song, Welcome to the New by Worship Mercy Me. Let us be the first to welcome you. Welcome you to the life you thought was too good to be true. Welcome to the new. That is, because we have faith in Jesus, I want to welcome all of us to the new. This is our heavenly home. This is where we're headed. This world is not our home. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, help us to get this message and to love you for it. Because you gave this message to us not to make us hurt, but to give us hope. But I pray this morning for everybody that's in this room that may be hurting somewhere in any of the ways we mention, that we come to the altar and say, God, thank you for the new life you've given me in Jesus. I pray if there's somebody who'd like to join the church, they'd join the church. Somebody would like to come to the altar and pray. I pray that we'd all just, not just take this in and say, oh God, big deal. Let's thank God for what he has for our future. Let's come to the altar and bend a knee and say, God, thank you for the new life you've given me now and thank you for the new heaven that I'm headed for. Father in heaven, send those who need to make decisions. Help us to understand that you welcome us to a new life in Christ. Old things are passed away because all things have become new. Thank you for the new life we have on this earth. And thank you for the ultimate newness that we'll experience in heaven when you say it's done, it's finished. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together. Worthy of every